News. It's one o'clock on Benche. The headlines. The police chief warns the civil human rights front it faces a national security probe, even as the group prepares to disband. COVID-19 is found on frozen food on the, S- on the SAR for the first time after a year of testing. And the prosecutor leading a case against 47 pan-democrats is named as the new director of public prosecutions. The police chief, Raymond Hsu, says the force will investigate whether the Civil Human Rights Front has violated the national security law. Reports say the front, the umbrella group behind some of Hong Kong's biggest protests, is likely to vote to disband as soon as today. Damon Pang has details. In an exclusive interview with Ta Kung Pao, Mr. Hsu said the front had never registered with the authorities since it was established in 2002. He told the state mouthpiece that the police had been collecting evidence and could act against, as he put it, unlawful groups at any time. Mr. Sue said that even if high-profile members of a group were already in prison, the police could bring charges against other key figures. The front's convener, Figo Chen, was jailed for 18 months in May over an unauthorized assembly in 2019. In April, the police wrote to the front's demanding financial information and details of its operations. The group said it would not answer those questions. A political scholar says it's not surprising the Civil Human Rights Front could disband, given it hasn't been able to organize its annual July 1st protest march in recent years. Last year's rally was banned due to the pandemic, and the group didn't even seek permission this year. Several groups, such as the Democratic and the Civic Parties, have withdrawn from the umbrella organization, citing political concerns. Ma Nok from the Chinese University says the front has been under a lot of pressure. I think uh, it is not totally unexpected because I think uh, for the last year it hasn't been able to organize any kind of um, major activities and it has been under a lot of attack. Uh, so I think uh, in the current political uh, atmosphere, actually, uh, it is not totally unexpected that it will choose to disband itself. Health authorities say they found samples of the COVID-19 virus on imported frozen fish on sale at Tokwon Market. It's the first positive test since the Center for Food Safety began checking frozen food and its packaging a year ago. As a precaution, people who have handled fish at the Waki stall have been ordered to take a test. The vendor was closed this morning, but customers like this woman said they weren't too worried about getting infected. Usually I will wash the fish as soon as I get home and will cook it thoroughly. I'm not overly worried because I have got my jab and have done all the prevention measures. I've got to go grocery shopping and cook every day anyway. The government has confirmed the appointment of a new director of public prosecutions. Maggie Yang, principal government counsel, takes on the role vacated by David Lung, who left the position at the end of last year. She had been carrying out the duties on an acting basis. Ms. Yang led the prosecution of 47 pro-democracy figures charged with violating the national security law. Turning overseas, the United States says it's sending nearly 3,000 troops back into Afghanistan to help evacuate staff from the American embassy. A State Department spokesman, Ned Price, told reporters that the embassy's footprint in Afghanistan was being reduced to a core diplomatic presence because of the security situation. But he insisted the U.S. embassy in Kabul would remain open at its current location. 
The embassy remains open. We continue our diplomatic work, our diplomatic mission in Afghanistan. We will continue to do the priority functions. That includes supporting peace, security, assistance, cooperation on counterterrorism, consular services, as we've been talking about, especially in the context of the special immigrant visa program. Taliban fighters... Excuse me. Taliban fighters in Afghanistan say they've captured the country's second city, Kandahar, in what would be a major win for the militants. It confirmed it would follow several cities that fell on within hours of each other on Thursday in the most dramatic string of victories yet. The Afghan government has not commented so far. Here's the BBC's Anbarasan Etherajan. Videos posted on social media showed dozens of fully armed Taliban fighters walking through Kandahar. Its capture and that of Herat in the west marked the Taliban's biggest military victories since they started their lightning offensive in May, as foreign forces were preparing to leave the country. The insurgents also claimed to have taken Lashkargah, the capital of Helmand province. With the Taliban likely to focus on Kabul in the coming weeks, many Afghans on social media said they felt betrayed and let down by the international community. An international team of researchers say they have the first clear picture of how our body's metabolism changes through life. The scientists studied more than 6,000 people, as the BBC's James Gallagher explains. Their study looked at people between 8 days and 95 years old to track our metabolism. That's all the chemistry needed to keep our body running throughout our life. They found it spikes shortly after birth and the fastest we burn through calories relative to our body size is at the age of 1. It then slows until 20, dispelling the belief that there's a metabolic surge in the teenage years. Then, in a massive surprise to researchers, it's rock steady for the next 40 years. Only after 60 does a long-term decline set in. The researchers say understanding our metabolism could eventually change the way we use medicines or lead to ways of slowing the old age decline. U.S. border agents say they detained more than 212,000 migrants trying to enter the country from Mexico last month. It's the highest monthly figure in 20 years. The BBC's Leonardo Rocha reports. Almost half of those stopped at the border have been expelled from the United States under special regulations introduced to curb the spread of the coronavirus. The new figures put President Biden under further pressure over his migration strategy. Mr. Biden promised to reverse the most extreme policies of the Trump administration. He said he wanted to address the root causes of immigration from Central America by reducing poverty, corruption and violence in the region. But critics say his administration has been too lenient, encouraging an unprecedented influx of migrants. The head of Russia's vast Yakutia region in Siberia has declared today to be a non-working day because of the risk to health caused by massive forest fires. The measure will apply to employees in the regional capital, Yakuts, and 10 other areas, but not to essential workers. The BBC's Danny Eberhard has a story. It's been another catastrophic year for fires in Siberia. Yakutia is the worst hit. The region's head has blamed global warming, saying it's been the hottest, driest summer since records began in the 19th century. Tens of thousands of square kilometres of forest have gone up in smoke. It's an environmental disaster, but the fires are having serious health impacts too. Efforts to fight the flames are being stepped up. Russia's emergencies minister has flown in. 
The father of the American singer Britney Spears has agreed to step down as conservator of her estate. The arrangement began in 2008 when concerns over the singer's mental health prompted her father, Jamie Spears, to take legal control of her life and finances. Miss Spears has described the conservatorship as abusive. Elizabeth Wagmeister, a senior correspondent at the entertainment magazine Variety, has been following the story. Her father filed paperwork with his legal team saying that he was stepping aside. In that paperwork, they did state that there are really no grounds for him to be removed, but that he is choosing to remove himself because he no longer wants to have this public battle with his daughter. A chemical analysis of the tusk of a long-dead woolly mammoth has revealed the vast distances the Ice Age creature traveled more than 17,000 years ago. The BBC's Paul Rinkin has the details. Woolly mammoths were the hairy cousins of today's elephants that lived during a prehistoric cold period known as the Pleistocene. Their tusks were a bit like tree rings, recording the animal's life history. Furthermore, chemicals inside the tusks acted like pins on a map. Showing where the animal went, by combining these two things, researchers worked out the travel history of a mammoth from Alaska that lived 17,000 years ago. The animal covered 70,000 kilometers of Alaskan landscape during its 28 years on the planet. In financial news, a legal battle over the controversial financial services company Convoy Global will go to the top court after the court of appeal ruled that it raised important questions on the corporate governance of companies across different jurisdictions. Convoy, which was delisted by the stock exchange earlier this year after a multi-year suspension, is based in the SAR but registered in the Cayman Islands. The case involves a challenge by shareholder Kwok Hui Kwan to a, to a decision by Chairman Johnny Chen not to allow him to vote at an extraordinary general meeting in 2017. Mainland officials have partially closed one of the world's busiest seaports after a worker tested positive for coronavirus. The closure has quickly affected global trade, as the BBC's Jonathan Josephs reports. After identifying a positive case of COVID-19 at Ningbo Zhoujian, the Chinese authorities have taken determined steps to prevent it spreading, but this has quickly disrupted global trade. With two vessels from the French shipping line CMA CGM forced to stay in port. The company says another three of its vessels have had to change their routes. Supply chains have already been stretched as companies continue to suffer from the disruption of the Suez Canal blockage and a COVID outbreak in June at another Chinese port. The de facto head of the South Korean electronics giant Samsung has been released on parole after serving just over half of a 30-month prison sentence for corruption. Lee Jae-yong was convicted of bribery and embezzlement in a scandal which led to the impeachment of the former South Korean president Park Geun-hye. The justice ministry said it made the decision to release him after considering the effects of the coronavirus pandemic on the country's economy. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at stood at 26,341. That's 180 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at 67 billion dollars. And in currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 110.37 yen. The euro stands at one U.S. dollar and 17 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 74 cents. To sports now, and we start with football and a record signing for Chelsea. It's a chance for Lukaku. Oh, he's in here again, and he does score. 
It's a second goal for Lukaku. The golden boot in his sight already. Such an impressive goal-scoring record. Chelsea have brought back striker Romelu Lukaku from the Italian champions, champions Inter for a fee of 135 million US dollars. The 28-year-old Belgian returns to Stamford Bridge on a five-year deal, having left the Blues for Everton in 2014. The BBC's Maz Faruqi says Lukaku costs more in combined fees than any other player in history. Over 400 million US dollars in transfer fees in total and two of the top five transfer fees in British football's history have now been for Belgium's all-time leading goalscorer and he's now the most expensive player sold by Serie A club as well. He obviously was in fantastic form last season in Italy that ended of course with his inter-team lifting the Serie A title for the first time in 11 years. He scored 24 goals in that campaign. He was named Serie A's MVP above Juventus's Cristiano Ronaldo as well. But we know that the club hasn't been the same in the closed season since the departure of manager Antonio Conte. The owner's finances make it quite a tough environment there at the moment. And Lukaku has made it clear for a few weeks now that he would be open to a move. Now it's a return to Stamford Bridge, 10 years on from when he first signed for Chelsea. Bayern Munich begin their Bundesliga title defence at Borussia Mönchengladbach tonight. Both sides are starting the season with new coaches. German football journalist Sandra Goldschmidt isn't sure if Bayern will make it a 10th title in a row. This season, someone might be able to because um, they haven't looked so good in preseason so far. I mean, of course, it's only preseason, but I think um, also with everyone uh, changing managers um, and Nagelsmann taking over there, I think uh, someone might be able to with, I think, maybe Leipzig, the favorites. And then like Dortmund um, trying a new formation now with um, Rosa wants to play with two strikers up front, which they haven't played for a while. And Lots of um, defense problems for Dortmund, so that's why I'm a bit hesitant thinking that they can really challenge Bayern, but yeah, I think Leipzig can. In cricket, a century by KL Rahul has powered India to a huge total after they dominated on day one of the second test against England at Lords. The BBC's Eleanor Odroy has the details. It's hard to criticise Joe Root's decision to put India into bat when he won the toss under leaden skies in the morning. It looked very much a day to favour the bowlers. But India's openers showed great patience in the morning session, putting on 126 for the first wicket before Rohit Sharma was out for 83. Kale Rahul picked up the baton when Rohit was out to Jimmy Anderson, who took two of the three wickets to fall in the day. Rahul made a magnificent century, walking off unbeaten on 127. Virat Kohli fell to Ollie Rob Robinson for 42 in the final hour, a small consolation for England, who already have an uphill task in this test match. It's currently 29 degrees Celsius to humidity 81%. The news from RTHK. Thanks very much, Ben. And a very good afternoon. This is James Ross with the 123 Show once more.
island somewhere one day he finds the bottle puts a message in it and throws it out to sea in hopes that someone will find it and come save him but it doesn't and he wakes up the next day and there's a, a billion bottles on the shore just proving there are billions of people on the remote 